Well, good morning, Hope Church. Uh, welcome. Thank you for being a part of our online service today. Uh, my name is Logan Smith. I'm the worship and student pastor. I'm so excited I get to, to be here to preach, uh, to be a part of your home this morning, be welcomed into your home. And uh, I'm really excited because today is the first Sunday of Advent. And I love Advent. It's probably my, my favorite season of the year. And so if you are unfamiliar with Advent, I want to just go ahead and give you a quick explanation of what it is, why we're staying here with these candles right beside me. And uh, let's just talk about it. So Advent, it means arrival. It means arrival. And so it's a season we celebrate between Thanksgiving and Christmas, and it is where we celebrate the coming of Christ to Bethlehem while simultaneously looking forward to Christ's arrival when he returns. And so that's what the whole season is. We're we're celebrating Christ's coming, and then we are looking forward to the day when he returns. And so each Sunday, there is a new theme. The themes are hope, peace, joy, and love. And so today, our theme is hope. And so with each Sunday, we light a candle to celebrate Uh, these different aspects, these different themes of Advent. So again, today is hope. And so I'm going to read passage of Scripture, and then I'm going to light this candle as we celebrate the hope that Christ gives us. So our Scripture today comes from Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 25. It says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. So now we're going to light this candle in celebration and remembrance of the hope that is given to us in Christ. Church, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, in this moment I need you. You are the one who will speak through me. God, I know I'm preaching this on a Friday, but even now you're preparing the hearts of all those who are watching it in this moment. And so God, I just pray that the hope of Christ would just permeate our hearts. Lord, I know that I can do nothing apart from you, so I am trusting in you to lead me, to give me words, to give me direction. God, um, I I just trust you in this moment. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So again, today we're talking about hope. And so before we get into it, I really want to just be clear about what I mean when I say we're talking about hope. Because if we're not careful, we will confuse kingdom hope with worldly hope. And we're talking about kingdom hope here. So, so what is the difference? What is the difference between kingdom hope and worldly hope? So worldly hope is more of this kind of wishful thinking. You know, it's this, I, I hope that this thing happens that I want to happen because I know that there's the possibility that it might not happen. 
Right? Like think of like Christmas is coming up. So think of it's, it's this wishful thinking that I'm going to get this present that I've been making all these subtle hints at to my family to get me. But there's still the possibility that, it might, that I might not get this present. Like, do you see what I'm saying? That's, that's worldly hope. We are talking about kingdom hope. And kingdom hope is a hope that looks at the promises of God and says, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that all that God says will happen will happen. It is this certainty and confidence in what God says. And so as believers in Christ, we are to have kingdom hope, not crossing our fingers, you know, wishing and hoping that we're going to make it through by the skin of our teeth. But instead, we are walking with our heads held high, trusting with full confidence and assurance that all that God promises to us will come true. This is the kind of hope that we are talking about today. So then that begs the question, what exactly is our hope? You know, what exactly is it that we are hoping and so that's what I'm going to preach about today. What are we hoping for? And it's this. Our hope is that God is making all things new. That's our hope. Like if you took the gospel of Jesus and you just summarized the entire thing into one sentence, then it would be a beautiful way to summarize it. God is making all things new. That is what we are hoping for. That is our hope. And so at this point, you may be thinking, well, what do you mean by all things? Like all things, like aren't there some things that don't need to be made new? Like, like how are you going to fix tacos? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, but this is all things. So what does it mean for all things to be made new? Well, here in Romans 8, which we just read, Paul uses three different examples to explain how all things are made new. So let's talk about those. So the first thing that Paul talks about being made new is creation itself. Creation itself will one day be made new. Look at Romans 8, 18-22. Let's read these again. It says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. That's when Christ returns. For the creation waits with eager longing." For the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. In hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption. And obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. So do you see that? Do you see it? He says that creation itself, all creation itself, is waiting for the day, the day of Christ's return, that it will be made new. One day it will be set free from its bondage to corruption and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So let's talk about that for a moment. Let's talk about what it means. So I want us to do a quick exercise, okay? So wherever you're sitting, wherever you're at, go ahead and close your eyes for a moment. You don't have to if you don't want to. You can just watch me close my eyes and look weird. Uh, but I'm going to close my eyes because here's what I want us to do. I want us to picture, I want you to picture the most beautiful, just awe-inspiring sunset you have ever seen in your life. 
Like for me, that, that would be, um, I was in Pensacola, Florida when I was a senior in high school and there's this beautiful sunset on the ocean. It was coming down right above the waters, being reflected in the ocean. And I kid you not, there were dolphins just breaching right in front of it. And it was, it's just still vividly seeing that right now in my mind. And if you don't want to picture a sunset, picture the most beautiful mountains you've ever seen or, or maybe the most beautiful forest, the most beautiful woods you've ever walked through. Just Picture in your mind, get a clear picture of the most beautiful scenery, most beautiful scenery, most beautiful sky that you've ever seen in your entire life. Just picture it for a moment. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to open your eyes. I want you to look at me because I got to tell you something. It's broken. It's broken. That sunset you just pictured, those mountains you just thought of, that island, that beach, that forest, whatever it was that you just had in your mind, it's broken broken. It's broken. It is not the sunset. It's not the mountains. It's not the island. It is not the creation that God intended it to be. So I want to be clear here for something. Creation is still beautiful. Like scripture is, makes it very clear that that, that creation itself is beautiful. I mean, guys, I love Red River Gorge. I love hiking there. It's been a while since I've been, but I love going there. And I don't think there's ever been a time that I've been to the gorge and not taken at least one moment to just be stunned by the beauty of what I'm looking at and to just thank God for it. Because, guys, Scripture says that beauty, that that creation is so beautiful that it actually tells us about who God is. Let's look at a few passages of Scripture. Psalm chapter 19, verse 1, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Romans chapter 1, verse 20, For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so they are without excuse. So do you see that? Like creation is so beautiful that it actually tells us about who God is. So if that's true, then how can it be broken? How can it be broken? Well, the same way everything else is, by sin. It's broken by sin. Look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 17 through 18. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. It's broken. I got to tell you, like I feel this verse because I can't grow anything. You talk about the pain of taking care of the grass. Like, I cannot grow anything. As a matter of fact, like, I get kind of frustrated because my next door neighbors, Mark and George Ann McCain, who are a part of our church, probably at the first service, um, they, they can grow anything. Like, I look at their landscaping and I'm like, y'all could look at an acorn and it will just turn into a tree. You know what I mean? Like, for me, you give me a plastic plant, I'll still find a way to kill it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I cannot keep anything alive. But why is that? Well, it's because creation is broken. It's because it is marred and tainted by sin. And Paul says here in Romans 8 that creation knows that it's broken. It says that it is so broken that it is groaning. It is longing. It is hoping. 
It is hoping for the day when Christ will return and make it new. I mean, do you all really think that God intended for hurricanes? Do you think that God intended for there to be avalanches and earthquakes and all sorts of other natural disasters? Like, no. That is the longing and the groaning of creation just waiting for the day where it will be made New. I mean, even the most beautiful mountain range, the most breathtaking sunset, the most awe-inspiring island is broken. But here's the thing, and again, here's the hope. On the day that Christ returns, let me tell you something. What we think is beautiful now will absolutely pale in comparison to the beauty of the redeemed creation. It will pale in comparison. I don't know how the Rocky Mountains of Colorado or how that sunset that I saw on that beach in Florida can get any more beautiful, but I know that God does, and I know that one day they will be more beautiful than they already are. And when Christ returns and makes all things new, there will be beauty that would absolutely make us fall to our knees were we to see it now. Isn't that awesome? All things made new. Does that fill you with hope? The second thing that Paul mentions, um, it's actually the third thing, but I'm going to talk about it secondly. It is that our physical bodies, our physical bodies will be made new. Let's look again at Romans chapter 8. We're going to read verse 23. It says, Not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of of our body. So it says that we wait eagerly for the redemption of our bodies. So I think sometimes that like we as Christians when we picture heaven, when we think about glory and about being with God, uh, we think of ourselves as like these bodiless spirits just kind of floating around or or even worse than that, we think of ourselves as these little baby angels playing harps, right? That's not what scripture says. Scripture says that we are going to be given new bodies. It says we're going to have redeemed physical bodies that will be perfect. Now that doesn't mean that I'm going to get to heaven and look like Chris Hemsworth. (laughs) You know, I'm not going to get there and have these big old arms and six pack abs. You know, I might, and that'd be cool. You know, but that's not what it's talking about. What it's saying is that we will have bodies that are completely immune to any kind of sickness, decay, injury, or death. Completely immune. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 through 53. It says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. Do you see that? Perishable, putting on imperishable. Mortality, putting on immortality. Old made new. Now let's think about that in light of the season of COVID-19. Let's think about the hope that this gives us. We are in the middle of a global pandemic where people are dying from the sickness. And even if you don't get sick, exposure to it will put you in quarantine for about two weeks. Do you see the hope of having an imperishable body? A, A body that will not get sick? A body that does not have to worry about this sickness, about this disease. 
I mean, think about this. I don't know if you saw about, heard or seen about Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is the rookie quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, Heisman Trophy winner, uh, NCAA football champ out of LSU. And last week, he's in the middle of his game, he's playing his game, he gets hit in the leg. This incredible rookie with incredible promising career tears his ACL, MCL, and several other ligaments in his knee. He's out the rest of the season, or potentially even next season. Or what about Clay Thompson? One of the Splash Brothers, right? Uh, NBA player, the Golden State Warriors. He missed the entire last basketball season because of a torn ACL in his knee. He is, he's been working, he's been recovering, he's good to go. Next season's about to start. Y'all hear what happened to him? Just a couple days ago, in the middle of practice, tore his Achilles. Now he's out for this season too. I mean, these extremely athletic, fit, muscular, incredibly, just incredible shape, they too are, are, are susceptible to injury. They, they're missing their seasons. I mean, guys, listen, we have perishable, vulnerable, mortal bodies susceptible to sickness, to injury, and yes, to death. Do you see the hope that we get in putting on a new body and having an imperishable body, a new body that is completely resistant to any kind of injury, to any kind of sickness? That's what's waiting for us when Christ returns. Do you know what this means, church? Never again will I ever get a phone call telling me that somebody I love has cancer. Never will that happen again. Never again will we hear words like diabetes, Earl's Danlos syndrome, fibromyalgia, Down syndrome, autism, dementia, clinical depression, PTSD. I could keep going. Why will we not hear these words again? Because the imperishable, because the perishable will put on the imperishable. The mortal will put on immortality. Old bodies made new. Does that not give you hope, church? Does that not give you hope? And so at this point, you may be thinking, well, I mean, yeah, that's awesome. Like, that's great. New creation, new body. Like, man, that sounds great. But what about the hope for now? Where's the hope in the right here and now? And I'm glad you asked because the last thing that Paul mentions is that our hearts, our souls are made new. Let's look again. Romans chapter 8, verses 23 through 25 this time. It says, Not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. So it says there in verse 23, we have the first fruits of the Spirit. And by the Spirit, it says in verse 24 that we were saved. So what does, what does this mean? Well, it means that in Christ, this newness that we are talking about, this new creation, this new body, yes, it is something that we are waiting for, but it is also something that has already begun in us. It has already begun, which is why we celebrate the season of Advent. It's why we celebrate the coming of Christ to Bethlehem. Because Jesus came to make old things new. He came to seek and save that which is lost. He came to save our souls. 
By his death on a cross, his resurrection from the dead, and his ascension into heaven, Jesus has made a way to save our souls. And he has given us the Spirit of God as a guarantee that he is making all things new. And he has begun that process by making us new in him. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 21-22. through 22. It says that it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put His seal on us and given us His Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. And some versions of that say His Spirit is our down payment. It's our deposit. It is the proof that the promise that God is making all things new will happen. He has already begun making all things new by making us new in Christ first. And the Spirit of God in us is the first fruit of this newness. That means that it is our preview. Every single act of the Spirit of God you've ever seen in your life is a preview of the newness that is still to come. Just so awesome is our foretaste, is our teaser, is our preview of what is coming. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Do you, do you see it? The old has gone. The new has come. And so at this point, you may be thinking, well, if that's true, why don't I always feel new? Why do I still wrestle with the same temptations, the same stress, the same anxiety, the same questions that I had before Christ? Well, it's because this is what is commonly referred to as the already and the not yet. We have already been made new in Christ, but guys, we're still waiting for the day when we will be made new in full. It's a process that hasn't been finished yet. The race isn't finished yet. It's why in verses 24 and 25 of Romans chapter 8, it says, like, we're hoping for that which we don't see yet. It's why even though we are made new, until the day comes when we are made new in full, our old selves are still at war with our new selves. Our flesh is at war with the spirit that has been given to us. That's Galatians chapter 5. 17, the desires of the flesh are against the the desires of the Spirit and vice versa. The desires of the Spirit are against the desires of the flesh. But again, we have this guarantee by the Spirit of God, the first fruits of the Spirit, that what has already been made new will one day be made new in full. Our hearts, our souls, they have been made new, but we have hope for the newness that is still to come. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 it says and I am sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Do you see it? It's coming. The work that has begun, the newness that has begun, it will one day be complete. This means that never again will we be tempted by sin. Like right now, temptation is all around us. But because we have been made new, we have the power now to say no to temptation and to resist its power. But guys, when we are made new and full, we will never be tempted again. 
Never again. We will never have another question because all our questions will be answered in full. We will never have a single bit of stress or anxiety because the presence of Christ will be with us always. What has been made new will be made new in full. So we have hope for today by the Spirit of God that lives in us. We have hope. And one day what has already begun in us, our foretaste of what is to come, will be realized in full. In the moment we shall be changed, all things will be made new. Guys, this is just so beautiful. So incredible. It's overwhelming. And before I close, I really just, I want to read this passage. And this is a long passage, okay? So bear with me. But this is what, is what I consider to be the single most beautiful passage of Scripture on old things made new. And this is Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 8. Some of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. Here's what it says. Then I saw a new heaven and new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. Also, he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty all I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for the murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur which is the second death do you see it church all things made new this is what is waiting for us now listen if you're not careful you're going to get hung up on verse 8 you're going to get hung up on that warning that's in there um let me just tell you something about that i had this great conversation with jeff on monday we're talking on the phone he had been listening to Matt Redman, who we both consider to be the best worship leader of our time. And he talked about how the Lord revealed to him, just asking this question, why do so many people, you know, preach as if I just, all I want to do is get people into hell. But in reality, I just want to get people into heaven. Guys, listen, that warning is there in verse 8 so that you pay attention to what's in verses 1 through 7. That warning is there. The warning of the old is there because God wants you in the new. So the invitation this morning, church, is this. The question you have to ask is this. Have you been made new? Have you surrendered your life to Christ? Let me tell you, the gospel is this. Jesus came perfect and sinless, and he bore the weight of our sin on a cross as if they were his own. He took the punishment that we deserve for our sin, and on three days later, Jesus rose from the dead, guaranteeing that we could have forgiveness and newness of life. Church, if you've yet to surrender your life to Christ today, would today be a day of newness? 
would you be made new in Him? Would you surrender your life to Christ? Don't wait. The old is gone. The new has come. He is making all things new. Will you be made new this morning, church? Our kingdom hope. All things made new. Grace and peace to you.